Greetings, everyone. Welcome again to Inspirational Cafe. This is Dorothy. And I wanted to continue with the exciting information of American history that involves African-Americans and the wonderful things that they did in the 1800s during the Reconstruction immediately following the Civil War and some actually before the Civil War. In this case, we're bringing to the forefront Mr. Richard Harvey Kane. Born in 1825, passed in 1887. His office is, of course, representative. He's in Southern South Carolina territory area. His party Republican. He served in both 43rd and the 45th um, Congress. And his biography begins with this. Born into freedom. You caught that? Born into freedom. Richard Kane was a pastor a newspaper editor, and an entrepreneur, making his mark as a writer and a land speculator before being elected to the United States House for two non-consecutive terms. During the 43rd Congress in 1873 through 1875, Kane used his considerable oratorical skills to wit and to defend the education clause in the Civil Rights Bill of 1875. He displayed a rich sense of humor, mocking Southern white representatives who pronounced African-Americans incapable of learning. Addressing Representative William Robbins of North Carolina, Kane retorted, quoting, The gentleman states that Negro race is a world stage actor, the comic dancer all over the land, that he laughs and he dances. Now he dances as an African. Then he crouches as a slave, unquote. Amid, de- amid deteriorating conditions, amid deteriorating conditions for Southern blacks at the end of the reconstruction, Kane promoted African-American immigration. He promoted African-American immigration to the West African colony of Liberia in the 45th Congress in 1877 to 1879. Richard Harvey Kane was born to free parents of April 12, 1825 in Greenbrier County of Virginia, now West Virginia. His Cherokee mother and black father moved with their son to Gallipolis, Ohio in 1831. It's Gallipolis, okay, I'll let that go. And living in a free state, quote unquote, free state, afforded Cain an education. He learned to read and write in Sunday school classes. He also worked on, a st- on steamboats along the Ohio River in 1844. Kane entered the Methodist ministry. His first assignment was in Hannibal, Missouri in, in, I'm sorry, in 1848. He frustrated the Methodist segregated practices. He transferred to the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Kane then served as a pastor in Muscatine, Iowa, where he was elected a deacon in 1859. When the Civil War broke out, in 1861, he was studying at Wilbur, I'm sorry, at Wilberforce University in Ohio, 
one of the first American colleges founded by black men. Didn't know that. I want to go there again. When the Civil War broke out in 1861, he was studying at Wilberforce, Wilberforce University in Ohio, one of the first African colleges founded by black men. Kane claimed that he and 115 other Wilberforce students attempted to enlist but were turned away by the Ohio governor. In 1861, Richard Kane was assigned to serve as a pastor at the Bridge Street Church in Brooklyn, New York, where he quickly became involved in politics. As a delegate to a national black convention held in Syracuse, New York in 1864, he advocated universal manhood suffrage. After the war, the AME Church assigned Kane to the historical Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. The state government had dissolved the congregation in 1822 because of slave revolt, but under Kane's leadership, the congregation swelled to the largest in the state by 1871. Kane established himself as a writer, and at the 1865 Charleston Colored People's Convention, pinning, quote, address to the people of South Carolina, in, in South, I'm sorry, in which he set forth some of the lifelong political positions, including his advocacy of land grants for freedom. To decimate his views to a larger audience, he found the South Carolina Leader newspaper in 18, founded the South Carolina Leader newspaper in 1866, renamed Missionary Record in 1868. Kane hired a future black representative, Robert Elliott and Alonzo Rangier, as associate editors. The exposure he gained from his church and his newspaper helped him jumpstart Kane's political career. Under Kane, Emmanuel's congregation became one of the strongest political organizations in the state, and its supported base grew through the editorial pages of the missionary record. Kane first served in South Carolina as a delegate to the state constitutional convention in 1868. He was elected to the state Senate the same year. Heading a commission to investigate South Carolina, a state senator who voted against the the ratification of the 14th Amendment. After an unsuccessful campaign, he re, I'm sorry, for re-election to the state senate in 1870, Kane was named chair of the party's Charleston branch, and he set his sights on the national political po- politics, known widely as quote Daddy Kane, <laughs> unquote. He had firmly established his credentials as a as a paternal champion of African Kane. Mm. I'm sorry, of African-American civil rights and social advancement. I'm going to start with that over. Kane was named the chair of the party's Charlton branch, and he set his sights on the national politics. Known widely as Daddy Kane, he had firmly established his credentials as a paternal champion of African-American civil rights 
and social advancement, while further entrepreneurial endeavors Garn Kane imported political connectors. They also invited scrutiny and unwanted attention. In 1869, he supported an enact a state land commission and petitioning the U.S. Congress to fund it with a million-dollar loan from the Freedmen's Bank. When the commission proved corrupt and ineffective, Kane purchased large tracts of farmland 20 miles outside of Charleston in 1871 and attempted to sell them exclusively to freedmen. He established the Ebenezer AME Church on the property and the new community, Lincolnville, grew out of its congregation. Financiers foreclosed on the project when Kane was unable to meet the mortgage payments. He was later indicted for obtaining money from buyers un- under false pretenses, but the case never went to trial. His participation in the Reconstruction era politics was also attempted. At- I'm sorry, was also attended by personal risk. White supremacy groups harassed him. And his daughter would later recall, quote, we lived in constant fear at all times, unquote. The 1872 campaign in South Carolina, in South Carolina, signaled a new reformed movement in state politics, particularly following the revolution of corruption on the part of outgoing Governor Robert K. Scott. As a longtime advocate for the removal of corrupt politicians from the state government and a co-founder of the Honest Government League, Kane was an attractive candidate for statewide and national office. After failing to obtain the nominee for lieutenant governor, Kane, su- Kane sought an at-large seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. He defeated his nearest opponent, Independent Democrat Lewis E. Johnson by more than 38,000 votes, garnering 71% of the total in a four-way race. Upon being sworn into the 43rd Congress, Kane was assigned to the Influential Committee on Agriculture as a nod to his state-large farming population. He spent his first term in Congress, however, Focusing on the long-awaited Civil Rights Bill, first introduced in 1870, the bill which called for equal services and accommodations for all races had been diluted by the amendments restricting its scope. Kane, an assertive and entertaining orator, made two major speeches and on several occasions spoke on the House floor in support of the legislation. Both of Kane's significant floor speeches delivered in January of 1873 identified the civil rights legislation as the final battle of the Civil War and a fatal blow to slavery, fulfilling, quote, the great mission of giving all the people equal rights, unquote. Kane touched on race relations in the South, as well as discrimination related to public transportation, hotel accommodations, and education. 
He attempted to dispel the well-worn argument that civil rights legislation would destroy the possibility of good relations between Southern whites and African Americans. On January 10th, he said, quote, Now, I am at a loss to see how the friendship of our white friends can be lost to us by simply saying we should be permitted to enjoy the rights enjoyed by other citizens. We do not want any discrimination. I do not ask for any legislation for colored people of this country. This is not applied to the white. This is not applied to the white people. That is not applied to the white people. All that we ask is equal laws, equal legislation, and equal rights. Unquote. I want to quote that again by Cain. On January 10th, he said, Now I am at a loss to see how the friendship of our white friends can be lost to us by simply saying we should be permitted to enjoy the rights enjoyed by other citizens. We do not want any discrimination. I do not ask for any legislation for colored people of this country that is not applied to the white people. All that we ask is equal laws, equal legislation, and equal rights. Cain also made a case for the contributions of blacks to the Southern society, observing that black men provided essential labor for the economy and fulfilled many skilled tasks. Cain noted that the quote, the carpenters, the machinists, the engineers, nearly all the mechanics in the South, unquote, were black. A distilled version of the belligerent civil rights legislation passed on February 4th, 1875. With Cain reluctantly accepting an amended striking the clause that would have integrated public schools. With the adjournment of the 43rd Congress one month later, Cain's at-large seat was eliminated due to reappointment. I'm sorry, due to reapportionment. He did not seek renomination in this home district, in his home district, which included a large black populations of Charleston, Georgetown, and Sea Islands, then represented by black representative Joseph Rainey, but returned to his ministry and local political activities in Charleston. Kane did not remain out of elective office for long. However, in 1876, he accepted the Republican nomination for a seat in a new district mapped by the Republican state legislature and favorable to the election of his partisans. Kane's new district, which swept from Low Country, Charleston, to neighboring inland Orangeburg County, he was more than 65% was more than 65% black. And although Cain defeated his opponent, Michael O'Connor, by more than 8,000 votes, taking 62%, that election day was one of the most tumultuous in South Carolina's history. Violence and corruption wrecked, wrecked the state. The chaos drew national attention when South Carolina, along with two other states, provided two seats of electoral votes 
for each of the presidential candidates, Republican Rutherford B. Hayes and Democrat Samuel J. Tilden, citing election in I'm sorry irregularities, O'Connor contested Kane's victory. He challenged Kane's credentials, signed by South Carolina Secretary of State Henry E. Hayne, a black man later declared by the state government to be a fugitive from the law. O'Connor also argued that the state canvassers who made who had met this in secret to count the final votes were candidates on the Republican ticket along with Kane and thus biased. On October 16, 1877, the second day of the 45th Congress, Kane defeated himself against these claims, noting that the secretary who had signed his credentials had also signed those of four other South Carolina representatives of different races and political parties. That same day, the House voted 181 to 89 to seat Kane, and he was assigned to the Committee on Private Claims. O'Connor again tried to unseat him a year later. However, the Elections Committee unanimously supported Kane. The House upheld his election for the second time, and in an unrecorded vote on May 8, 1878. The provisions that had gutted from the Civil Rights Bill in 1875 were at the top of Kane's agenda when he returned to Congress and he introduced a bill requiring the federal government to set aside monies from the sale of public lands to fund public education. The money would be apportioned, apportioned, I'm sorry, to the state based on population. Kane did not use racial or partisan arguments to make his case, providing federal census, census statistics showing that school attendance was low among the poor of all races and regions. Kane declared the education, quoted, the education of the nation is, par- is paramount and should not be neglected. We should recognize the absolute necessity of elevating our citizens of whatever class or conditions from ignorance, from degradation, from superstition, from pop pop I'm sorry, this word is a little bit tongue-tied, from pauperism, for crime, from crime. It is accepted, it is an accepted axiom. I believe everywhere that the more intelligent the citizen is, the better the better citizen he is. Unquote. And although Kane gained the support of several of his colleagues, including Representative Rainey, his proposal never made it out of the Committee on Education and Labor. Kane's frustration with the co- collapse of the Reconstruction shaped his policy during the second term. He defended the controversial Order of South Carolina, carpetbagger Governor Daniel Chamberlain, to employ military protection for voters in the 1876 election and argued against cutting military budgets to ensure domestic peace and protect Western pioneers from Indian uprising. Concerned with the erosion of black civil rights in South 
And he was also, I must stop and add, even though it says to assure the domestic peace and protection Western pioneers from Indian uprising, he was also a biracial um, Cherokee. Okay, so he wasn't partisan about that. Okay, I'll continue reading. Concerned with the erosion of black civil rights in the South, Kane also reconsidered his initial reluctancy to support immigration in Liberia, citing growing black delusionment in the South. He began to advocate legislation to aid that cause. On March 11, 1878, Kane submitted a bill to establish routes for mail. I'm sorry, for mail and passenger ships to West African colony. And although his proposal never left the Committee on Commerce, Kane became a member of the Liberian Exodus Joint Stock Steamship Company in 1877. Representative Kane but politics became more radical as his term progressed. He joined former black representative Robert DeLarge and Alonzo Ranger from South Carolina in supporting the movement of black nationalist Martin Delaney to gain power for blacks in federal government. Kane cooperated with Delaney, castigating white Republican leaders who favored light-skinned candidates and scorning mixed-race men who endorsed this, this discrimination. He argued that this practice splintered the Republican Party. He also advocated violent retaliation against the Ku Klux Klan and the like-minded red shirts of South Carolina. Such maverick positions cost Kane the Republican nomination in 1878. Instead, the party nominated a local white man, Edmund W. Mac McKay, McKee, who went to went on to lose a close election to Kane, former opponent Michael O'Connor. After leaving Congress, Kane distanced himself from South Carolina politics. In 1880, the AME Church elected Kane to serve as bishop in the Texas-Louisiana Conference. He co-founded Paul Quinn College in Waco, Texas. Wow, awesome. And served as his president until July 1884. Kane then returned to Washington, D.C. to serve as bishop of the AME Conference with the jurisdiction in Mid-Atlantic and North England states, overseeing his new post from the nation's capital until he died on January 18, 1887. It doesn't say the cause of his death, um, but for credit purposes, I'm giving these brief footnotes that, of course, you could find information from the Congressional Record House. Um, you can also find quoted in Joel Wilson's book, After Slavery, The Negro in South Carolina, During Reconstruction, um, there's all this again. This is out of if I didn't say it before. This too is out of the history, arts, and archives. United States House of Representative is history.history.gov, and this story was of Richard Harvey Kane. Thank you. In conclusion, regarding um, Mr. Richard Harvey Kane, who was born a free man and lived in a free state. I didn't know that even existed, but he lived in a free state and, and also um, founded the 
first African-American college, um, black men, I'm sorry, he attended the college that was founded by black men. And of course he was mixed um, at, um, with um, Native American Cherokee and it's in his um, and during his time, he fought strongly, very hard for civil rights. And of course, as the law did pass, even though they managed to um, chop it up and take things out, such as um, the the segregating of the schools, they wanted it. Um, this, they didn't want it segregation, and they didn't want all of certain policies that was put into the civil rights bill. Um, but nonetheless, the, the the bill did pass, and so. Um, and as being a strong pastor and bold speaker. And what was very interesting about Mr. Kane um, is that fact that he worked really hard also in helping people leave and attend West, go to back to West Africa and Liberia. And he was part of, of a committee that helped with those who wanted to return and make sure that they could return safely. And he also um, was an advocate for the military protecting the African-Americans in the South. And as his daughter stated, that they lived in constant fear for their life. I could understand that she being that, you know, living that way. However, he seemed to be a very strong provider and protector and a bold stand that he took for civil rights for African-Americans and uh, for those that wanted to return. That's to me the significance in each of them that served has such a strong stance in a certain area. I don't know if you caught that yet through all of the other um, stories that was um, lives that was biographies read earlier that you would read one that was for the civil rights but stood strongly with the, for Chinese uh, immigration and um, I'm sorry that and, and those laws being passed as well as those immigrants that were coming that were white but was still just coming over they were making sure that they had needs met and their you know and their own needs are being deprived this is just so amazing so thank you so much for letting me share with you um, Richard Harvey Kane, born a free man in 1825 and passed in 1887, served two non-consecutive offices in Congress. Thank you. Hello again. This is your, your host, you're with Miss Dorothy, and I'm excited to be here with you. And I really wanted to give you um, some more, not necessarily insight, but just the focus of where we're going this month. I noticed, I know you may have noticed that most of the, actually all so far up until this point, about, I think we're at February the 13th, the 12th, well, maybe it's the 13th. At any rate, um, we are... Um, Speaking on American history, focusing on the African Americans' history. Uh, basically, it's American history. It deals with the Civil War. It deals with after the war and the Reconstruction that took place, and what has been missed in public school history in the United States of America, and of course, even what they refuse to share even around the world that. Um, African-Americans, um, some were mixed with Native Americans, some were mixed 
was, was which is all black and some were mixed with Caucasian. Nonetheless, they were considered black men and they served in the Senate in the House of Representatives in Congress. They were considered radical Republicans because they stood their ground for reconstruction in the South. And this was, of course, during the time after the war that the uh, that the United States was operating as one for the first time. And they wanted to, um, you know, construct all of that. And here you have civil rights that was passed in in the early. I believe the year was 1869. Um, that it was passed or between 1869 and 73. Either way, during that time, a hundred years before Dr. King, the Civil Rights Bill were passed. The things that they took out of the bill at that time, a lot had to do with segregation, with education and things of that nature. Um, But I don't want to go too far because I'm only speaking of this one gentleman who did some wonderful things also. It seems as if each of them Even though they all were together with the civil rights and certain issues, they all still had um, a a passion in which they focused mainly on. This gentleman, Mr. Kane, was very strong with his personality, was not moved or intimidated like most of them they weren't. However, this gentleman, according to some of the readings I found, spoke very boldly um, outwardly. He served two full terms, not consecutive and uh, he was also a pastor. So I'm going to go forward with the story of the reading and let you um, um, hear the rest of his biography. 